Hey, this is Todd coming to you from the uh, Sports Library and Spirituality in Verona, Wisconsin. And I just want to say thank you to, to Anchor and Spotify for the, uh, the chance to be, the chance to have a podcast. And I would like to also say thank you to the listeners too. Thank you. Hi, I'm Ty, coming to you from the Verona Sports Library and uh, Spirituality. What I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be reading out of the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, and uh, there's a story I like here, and it's number, it's number seven in the big, in the big book, and in, in the back, uh, the back stories. Um, there's four additions to the big book, and uh, some of these are... Uh, some of these stories are from the Grapevine magazine, which is the magazine that went overseas. That they that they uh, sent overseas so people so the uh, recovering alcoholic soldiers could have a meeting and keep up on their sobriety. Well, this is a these are four editions, and this particular edition was from September two thousand and seven. Uh, and what is going on is I'm going to read this. Uh, Read the story. The man who mastered fear. The big book is uh, the basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous, and the first uh, 164 pages are basic text. the The other part goes all the way to 400, I believe. And uh, anyways, yeah, it goes all the way to 400 or something. It's uh, is all it's filled with stories. So I mean, it's it's a really a, oof, sorry. A little bit long, bigger than that. Goes into the five, uh, five fifties. Looks like. So what's going on is that this is the basic book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and this is what we, this is what you read out of in the meetings when you're doing a big book study. And I've picked this. Uh, I picked this particular story because it's story number seven. It's the man who mastered fear. He spent eighteen years. And running away, and then found he didn't have to run. So he started AA in Detroit. For 18 years from the time I was 21, fear governed my life. By the time I was 30, I had found that alcohol dissolved fear. For a little while, in the end, I had two problems instead of one, fear and alcohol. I came from a good family. I believe the sociologists would call it upper middle class. By the time I was 21, I had... Six years of life in foreign countries, spoke three languages fluently, and had attended college for two years. A low ebb in the family fortunes necessitated my going to fit to work when I was 20. I entered the business world with every confidence that success lay ahead of me. I had been brought up to believe this, and I had shown during my teens considerable enterprise and imagination about earning money and about earning money to the best of my recollection to the best of my recollection i was completely free from any abnormal fears vacations from school and from work spelled travel to me and i traveled with gusto during my first years out of college i endlessly 
and endless dates and went to countless dances, balls, and dinner parties. Suddenly, all this changed. I underwent a shattering nervous breakdown, three months in bed, three more months of being up and around the house for brief periods, and in bed for the rest of the time. Visits from friends and that lasted over 15 minutes exhausted me. A complete checkup at one of the best hospitals revealed nothing. I heard for the first time. I heard for the first time. I heard for them. So let me do that again. I heard from the first time an expression that I was growing. That was to grow up old. There is nothing organically wrong, as the psychiatrist says. My psychiatry might have helped, but my psychiatrist had nothing. Had not penetrated the Middle West. Spring came. I went for my first walk a half a block from my house. I tried to turn the corner. Fear froze me in my tracks. But the instant I turned back toward home, this paralyzing fear left me. This was the beginning of an unending series of such experiences. I told a family doctor and an understanding man who gave hours of his time trying to help me about this experience. He told me that it was imperative that I walk around the entire block, cost me what it might in mental agony. I carried out the inst- his instructions. When I reached the point directly back of our house where I could, ha- could have cut through our family's garden, I was almost overpowered by the desire to get home. But I made the whole journey. Probably only a few readers of, of this story will be able from personal experiences of their own, to understand the exhilaration and a sense of accomplishment I felt after finishing this seemingly simple assignment. The details of the long road back to something resembling normal life, normal living, first short streetcar ride, the purchase of a used bike, which enabled me to to widen the to widen the narrow horizon of life. The first trip. Downtown, I will I will not dwell on. I got an easy part-time job sell printing, selling printing for a small neighborhood printer. This widened the scope. This widened the scope of many activities. <laughs> a year later, I was able to buy a Model T roaster and take take a better job with a downtown printer. From his job and the next one with yet another printer. I was courteously dismissed. I simply did not have the pep to do hard, cold turkey selling. I, I switched to real estate brokerage and property management work. I almost simultaneously, I decided, I discovered, I discovered that cocktails in the late afternoon and highballs in the evening revealed. So it relieved many tensions of the day. This happy combination of pleasant work, alcohol lasted for five years. Of course, the latter ultimately killed the former, but of this, more more none. All this changed when I was 30 years old. My parents died, both in the same year leaving me, a sheltered and somewhat immature man on my own. I moved into a bachelor hall. These men all drunk, all these men all drunk on Saturday nights enjoyed themselves. 
my pattern of drinking became very, very different from theirs. I had nervous break, nervous headaches, particularly at the base of my neck. What could relieve those? At last, I discovered alcohol is a cure-all. I joined their Saturday night, joined their Saturday night parties, and enjoyed myself too. But I also stayed up nights, weeknights after they had retired, and drank myself into bed. My thinking about drinking had undergone a great change. Wicker had become a crutch on one hand and a means of retreat from life on the other. The ensuing eight years were the depression years, both nationally and personally, with bravery born of desperation embedded by, the, embedded by alcohol. I married a young and lovely girl. Young and lovely girl. Our marriage lasted four years, at least Three of the fullest four years must have been living hell for my wife because she had to watch the man she loved disintegrate morally, mentally, and financially. The birth of a baby boy did nothing toward staying the up, to staying on the downward, staying the downward spiral. When she finally took the baby and left, I locked myself in the home and stayed drunk for a month. He, I'm just going to say something here is that uh, when I'm reading this and going through this is that, uh, you know, there's, there's so much of this, so many people have, so many people have fear from there that we're alcoholics and uh, if we're not drinking, that, that just means that we're going to be, uh, we're not going to be able to, we're not going to be able to exist without, without alcohol. And, you know, and before Alcoholics Anonymous, that's what was going on. I'm sure there was, there was fear before there was AA, you know. And, uh, you know, it, it just totally wipes out a guy. Like if we don't handle our fears and if we don't do the, uh, for the worth, I'm thankful for those steps in the book, too. There's a big book right here. You know, the 12 and 12 also, that. You know how we handle, how we can handle fear, and uh, do the fourth step and uh, four and five, and you know, and, and do the uh, the inventory part too is so critical for uh, fear, and how we can uh, we can talk we can we can talk about fear we can get rid of fear by talking about it and telling our son telling um, our sponsors about it, and that's the thing that works, and the thing that also works too is. You know, it's keeping the plug in the jug. Um, it seems it seems like such a it seems like such a great medicine at first. You know, it seems like such a great uh, great discovery that you know. But all we're doing is just complicating the issue by by drinking on top of it, by drinking on top, thinking that fear is going to go away if we drink. But the only problem was that fear catches up with drinking. And then fear takes over drinking, and then we're screwed when we're not drinking. Um, or the other way around. But that's the thing is, is that it, it's just, it's a rough life what we're doing if we're, we're not mastering fear. So, on I go. Next two years were simply a long, drawn-out process of less and less work and more and more whiskey. I ended up homeless, jobless, Penniless, rudderless, 
or a problem guest of a great close friend whose family was out of town, haunting me through each day's stupor. There was there were eighteen or nineteen such days in this man's home was the thought. Where do I go when this when his family comes home? When the day of their return was almost upon me, and suicide was the only answer I had been able to think of, I went into Ralph's room one evening and told him the truth. He was a man of considerable means, and he might have done what many men might have done in such a case. He might have handed me fifty dollars and said I ought to go ought to pull myself together and make a new start. I have thanked God many times in the last sixteen years that that was just what he did not do. Instead, he got dressed, took me out, brought me bought me three or four double shots, put me to bed. The next day, he turned me over to a couple who, although neither was an alcoholic, no doctor, knew Dr. Bob, and were willing to drive me to Akron, where they would turn me over to the to his care. The only stipulation they made was that. The only stipulation they made was this. I had to make a decision myself. What decision? The choice of was limited. To go north into the empty pine country and shoot myself, or go south into the faint hope that a bunch of strangers might help might help in the faint hope that a bunch of strangers might help me with my drinking problem. Well, suicide was the last straw matter and I had not drawn the last straw. Yet, so I was driven to Akron very ne- the very next day by those good Samaritans turned out turned over to Dr. Bob and then the whole and then the tiny Akron group. Here while I was in I was here while I was in a hospital bed, men with clear eyes, happy faces, happy faces and a look of assurance and purposefulness about them came to see me and told me their story. Some of these were hard to believe, but it did not require a giant brain to perceive that they had something I could use. How could I get it? It was simple, they said, and went on to explain to me in their own language the program of recovery and daily living that we know today as the 12 Steps of AA. Dr. Bob dwelt at length on how prayer had given him release time and time again from the nearly overpowering compulsion to take a drink. It was he who convinced me because his own conviction was so real that a power greater than myself could help me to the could help me in crisis of life and that means of content communicating with this power was simple prayer. Here was a tall rugged, highly educated Yankee talking in a matter of course way about God and prayer. If he and those other fellows could do it, I so could I. When I got out of the hospital, I was invited to stay with Dr. Bob and dear wife Ann. I was suddenly and uncontrollably seized with the old paralyzing panic. The hospitals had seemed too safe. The hospital had seemed so safe. Now I was in a strange house in a strange city, and fear gripped me. I shut myself in my room, which began to go around in circles. Panic, confusion, chaos were supreme. Out of this, 
all this maelstrom, maelstrom, just two coherent thoughts came to the uh, surface. One, a drink would mean homelessness and death. Two, I could no longer relieve the pressure of fear by starting home, as was once my as once once my habitual solution to the to this problem. Because I no longer had a home, and finally I know I shall never know how much it how much later it was. One clear thought came to me: try prayer. You can't lose. Maybe God will help you. Just maybe, mind you. Just maybe, mind you. Having no one else to turn to, I was willing to give him a chance, although considerable doubt. I got down on my knees for the first time in 30 years. The prayer I said was simple. It went something like this. God, for 18 years I have been out. I have been unable to handle this problem. Please let me turn it over to you. Immediately. A great feeling of peace descended upon me, intermingled with a feeling of being suffused with a quiet strength. I lay down in a bed and slept like a child. An hour later, I woke to my to a new world. Nothing had changed, yet everything had changed. The scales had dropped from my eyes, and I could see life in a proper perspective. I had tried to be the center of my own little world, whereas God was the center of a vast universe, of which I was perhaps an essential, but a very tiny part. It is well over 16 years since I came back to life. I've never had a drink since. This only is a miracle. It is, however, only the first series of miracles that have allowed, that have followed one another as a result of my trying to apply to my daily life. The principles embodied in our 12 steps. I would like to sketch for you the uh, the highlights of 16 years of a slow, but steady and satisfying climb. Poor health and complete lack of my money necessitated my remaining with Dr. Bob and Ann for very close to a year. It would be impossible for me to pass over this year without mentioning my, without mentioning my love for it. My indebtedness to these two wonderful people who who are no longer with us. They made me feel as if I were a part of their family and so did their children. The example that they and Bill W., whose visits to Akron were fairly frequent, and for me of a service to their fellow men, imbued me with a great desire to emulate them. Sometimes during that year I rebelled inwardly at what seemed like lost time at having to be a burden to these good people whose means were limited. Long before I had my real opportunity to give, I had to learn the equally important lesson of receiving receiving graciously. I have to say, I'm going to stop for a little bit here. Um, It's the way AA works. That's the way it worked back then anyways. People just, you know, it's it seems to me that, like, Dr. Bob and Phil W., and they would go to any means to help somebody stay sober. And that's the way it was back then. And, uh, you know, they, 
they always would, they always were, uh, oh, putting their lives at stake, you know, getting, they, they you know, they were uh, a threat to get robbed. And, uh, you know, it was scary, but the reality was, is that that's how they got their gratitude, is to see people recover from this hopeless disease. And, you know, and that's the thing for me that I've noticed, too, is that it seems to me that, you know, people go out of their way to give people rides and stuff like that, and that's great. And, you know, and uh, I don't see, you know, I see a lot of detox centers now, and and people just go in and out, in and out, in and out. And, um, you know, it, it, what, you know, it's just both the, uh, it's both sponsorship that really helps, too, that, uh, really gives people a chance in life and you know it's and there's quite a bit of quite there's there's quite a few times that you'll see people that uh in AA that will uh you know that link up and uh, live together and I'm not talking romantically either I'm talking I'm talking sponsor sponsee I'm talking you know and that's the way it is now it's just people have learned that you know people are people are against the tide the way it is in the world you know in the real world it would be like each and own you know everybody's on their own it was just good luck <laughs> no 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 in aa we t- we are a we program we take care of the we we make sure that people are going to be uh are going to be okay they're going to be you know and, and we get a 12 step call we go you know, sometimes, sometimes you come into a horrible mess, but that's what that's what it is. You know, that's the way it is. It's it's not fun, but uh, you know that's why we take two or three people at least. Cause you never know, you never know what's going to be behind the door that you, that you open to the uh, to the alcoholic that's uh, in that process of being putting a wrecking ball to his life and. Uh, you know, that's, that's just, it's so important to get, it's so important to take two or three people. And, uh, so anyways, during my first few months in Akron, I was quite sure that I never wanted to see my home hometown again. Too many economic and social problems would beset me there. I would make a fresh start somewhere else. After six months of sobriety, I saw the picture in a different light. Detroit was the place I had to return to, not only because I must face the mess I had made there, but because it was there that I could be of that I could be of the most service AA. In spring of nineteen thirty nine, Bill stopped off in Akron for on his way to Detroit on business. I jumped at the suggestion that I accompany him. We spent two days there together before he returned to New York. Friends invited me to stay on for so as long as I care to. I remained with them for three weeks, using part of the time and making many amends, which I had no earlier opportunity to make. The rest of my time was devoted to AA, spade work. I wanted to write prospects, and I didn't feel that I would get very, you know, get very far chasing individual drunks in and out of the bars. So I spent much of my time calling on people who I felt 
logically come in contact with alcoholic cases. Doctors, ministers, lawyers, and personal men in industry. I also talked to AA to every friend who would listen at lunch, at dinner, on the street corner. The doctor tipped me off to my first prospect. I landed him and I shipped him by train to Akron with a pint of whiskey in his pocket to keep him from wanting to get off the train in Toledo. Nothing has ever asked, oh, I'm sorry, nothing has ever to this day equaled the thrill of the first, tr- the first case. Those three weeks left me completely exhausted, and I had to return to Akron for three more months of rest. Well, there are two or three months, cash customers, as Dr. Bob used to call them, probably because they had so little cash, were shipped to, into us from Detroit. When I finally returned to Detroit, I had to find work and to learn that to, under, to stand on my own feet. The ball was already rolling. However, slowly, it took six more months of work and disappointments before a group of three men got together in my rooming house bedroom for their first AA meeting. It sounds simple, but there were obstacles and doubts to overcome. I will remember a session I had with myself soon after I reached after I returned. It ran something like this. If I go around shouting from the rooftops about my alcoholism, it might very possibly prevent me from getting a good job. But supporting that, just one man died because I had, for selfish reasons, kept kept my mouth shut. No, I was I was supposed to be doing God's will, not mine. He his road lay clear before me. I'd better quit rationalizing myself into any detours. I could not expect to keep what I had gained. I could not expect to keep what I had gained unless I gave it away. Um, I just want to talk about the word rational. Rationalize. You know, I, when I've been, uh, when I listen online to some of the ministers and, and, and fathers and pastors and you know, one of the things I'm pointing out is pointing out how words, how words are what they say. The words mean, you know, in a little, uh, the little, the little, how you can take it apart. You know, when I look at ration, when I look at ration, I look at a number, a number of, looking at ration of, uh, you know, like they have in the uh, in the army, you know, they call them rations, rations. Rations, I can't, I'm telling you. Anyways, they have that, and they have, uh, I don't know, I've never been there, I'm supposed to forget that one. And, uh, but it, you know, and what it says is that it's a number of lies. Rationalization. Rationalizing. And, um, there's a lot to this, to that word, you know, because I'm, how many times that we tell ourselves lies in AA, and we tell not. We tell ourselves lies in our own mind, and rationalize. But you know, rationalize us into detours, and uh, detours that take us down a bad road. You know, that's that's the thing that we do, unfortunately, and that's that's unfortunate because you know, we got. We got a man. We got a mind with good intent on one side, 
The other side, we got a devil, demonic force that's going to take us down. So we have to learn how who to listen to. And that's the thing is that uh, I've come across is that, you know, I've had to learn who to listen to. You know, I've learned how to separate those voices out and how to get rid of them. And uh, it, it's frustrating. It's frustrating for people that are trying to help you and work with you because, you know, they they know they know where you're coming from because they've been there before and they know the they know what you're telling them. And they're not gonna get fooled. But the problem is is trying to get through to trying to get through to the person uh, that's uh in the process of being manipulated 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 I should say. It's so frustrating. And uh you know, I've I've worked my I've worked with other people too and it's just it's it's tough. But, you know, as long as you can get people on the right track and as long as you're positive with them, you know, for whatever they're going through, if they stick to that uh they stick to that thought and have to go out there and try it again and do more research and that's what they need to do. Because they you know, a good drunk will you know, a good drunk on the town or wherever you wanna go will take this will take you to a uh New point of learning and a new point of saying, that really sucked. You know, I got to do something different, you know, because I keep getting drunk and I keep going to jail. Stuff like that, you know. And uh, anyways, that that's where we're going to end right there. We're going to end on two, uh, we're going to end at 253. Um, and uh, I just want to say, if nobody else has told you that they love you today, I do. And thanks for listening. Thank you.